Morning. As Joe mentioned earlier, my name's Joel Garman, and I'm part of the leadership for Redemption Hill. I'm an overseer. Uh, specifically, I attend the Uptown location. Uh, I was part of the core group uh, for Uptown, so uh, there were several families. Um, Joaquin Garcia was here last week, and he was preaching. He's the campus pastor for Uptown, and um, we were sent out from uh, Whittier Hills campus five and a half years ago now, so, and it's, it's been awesome. Um, I just also want to say with Joaquin that I, I love La Habra because La Habra gets it. Um, we did church in a box for two and a half years, and uh, we, you know, every Sunday came early to set up, and it was really hard and trying, but uh, there are a lot of really strong relationships formed as you're working side by side together. Um, and sometimes you feel alone. You're out here and you're like, where is everybody? I used to be part of this body that I would see every Sunday, and it was six, seven hundred people. Uh, where are my friends? Sometimes I don't see the, my friends on Sunday. And, and that can be hard and that can be difficult, but it's worth it. I know that there are people, sorry, I shouldn't look at my wife over there. (laughs) There are people here in La Habra who have heard about Jesus because you've come. Because on your backs you set up church every Sunday. Because during the week you give up uh, relationships with people who um, attend the Whittier Hills campus and you don't see them on a Sunday morning anymore. And and we've experienced that at Uptown. And... um, we're with you in it. So let's keep pushing uh, the Whittier Hills campus as well until they get it, until they begin to understand. There's some people there that do, and they, and they get it, and they totally understand, but there's some that don't. And so that's, that's what we're here for as we interact with them relationally and we spend time with them. Because it's not just um, Redemption Hill Church in La Habra. It's not just Redemption Hill Church in Uptown. It's, it's one body in many locations, and as we interact with each other, we um, spur one another on towards the gospel. So, and that's, and that's a lot of what Joaquin talked about last week, right? We're going through um, our vision series, uh, our six-week series for the fall. Normally, um, if you're a, a guest with us this morning, normally we go through books of the Bible. We just take passages and, and we just crank through and we say, okay, what does God have to say for us in this specific scripture this morning? And in the fall, we tend to take some time to come together and to say, okay, let's, um, let's spend some time and, and re-engage. You know, your family might have been on vacation, you might have been out of school, so let's all come together as a family and re-engage and say, what does God have for us? And specifically, we do that through kind of more, more topical series. Um, this year, we're going through our, our visions and values documents. Um, we've had a lot of these core values, a lot of this vision and this mission already. We've just fine-tuned it a little bit, updated some of the language. Um, We wrote it some time ago, so we just want to make sure that people understand. And sometimes that means you use different words to help people understand. And so last week we talked about what is our purpose? What are we here as a church for? It's to glorify God. Well, that's just, there's specific elements in that though, right? To glorify God at all times, at all costs, and among all peoples. And then how, how does that happen? 
How do we glorify God? Well, we do that when we're shaped and driven by the gospel because inherently we're broken. Everything in the world, including us, was designed and created to give glory to God. And Joaquin talked about last week how stuff is broken and it doesn't work and it's like there's a barrier and we can't give glory to God like we should. And he used an example that I love that partially just because I love meat, but steak. You know, you can go to a restaurant and have an awesome steak and it can be great and you could glory in that steak, but we're broken and it shouldn't just stop at, oh, this steak is awesome. And man, this chef is great. It should keep going up and say, God is awesome. God is great. God made cows taste good. (laughs) And he made people figure out how to cut a cow so you could get a filet mignon and cook it and make it taste awesome, right? And that's, that's what the gospel is about. The gospel is the fact that Jesus came to earth. God himself came in the flesh to show us how to give glory to God to live a life that consistently gives glory to God, to say, you're broken and you can't do it, but I can show you how to do it and I can make a way for you to do it. And that's what he does on the cross and that's what part of what we were remembering this morning with communion is that Jesus made a way for us to give glory to God. Jesus made a way for us to be shaped and driven by the gospel. And as we go continue through some of our um, the vision and values document, there's another section where it covers our core values. And there's five things that we're going to be talking about. Values that we say, you know what? Um, we think a lot of churches, if not all churches, should be about these things. But we want to write them down so that... Uh, there's a lot of stuff written in here <laughs> about uh, how church should be and who we should be as followers of Jesus and what should we do as a body of people together. But we just want to pull it out and make it explicit to say, here's what we think is going on, and here's what we think should happen. Here's how we are shaped and driven by the gospel. Here's how we are giving glory to God. And this week, we're covering the first of our core values, and that's we partner with God's Spirit. We partner with God's Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about how we partner with God's Spirit, what that looks like, uh, and and eventually ask some questions for uh, how does that impact our life? and connecting it back to gospel and glory. So we're going to be in a a bunch of different places this morning. If you've got your Bible, I'd encourage you to pull that out. There should be some Bibles um, on the ground or on the pews next to you if you don't have one. We also just think it's helpful to put it up on a screen in case um, you don't know where we're going. So it'll be up on the screen for you if you want to follow along, if you can read that and see that. But we're going to be in a, a, a couple different passages this morning. The first one we're going to look at is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 16. So you're going to turn there, and um, I'm going to pray for us this morning. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that um, you designed us to give glory to you, and, and we praise you for that. And we thank you that not only you designed us to do that, but you um, created and designed a way for us to... Um, not be broken, <laughs> for us to correctly give glory to you, for us to d- design and, and, and create um, us in a way that, that we give glory to you. God, thank you so much. Jesus, thank you for coming, for being obedient, for sacrificing, and um, 
Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would be with us this morning. As we've already sung, Holy Spirit, come. Lord Jesus, come. We want you here. We invite you here. Specifically ask that you would be in among my words and thoughts this morning. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 16. How do we partner with the Spirit? What is that like? How does it connect with glory and gospel? But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That's just verse 16. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Specifically, um, Paul is writing a letter to Corinthian, to the Corinthian church, about a lot of different things. And in this specific passage, he's talking about a veil. He's using an analogy. He's saying, just like um, when we try to give glory to God and it's broken, and it doesn't and we give glory to the stake instead of God, he's using an analogy that that's like a veil. It's like there's a curtain blocking us from doing what we should do. And he says, when, we, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. He says, when we turn to Jesus, that veil is removed. We, Jesus fixes us. He, he, God fixes us. The Holy Spirit fixes us and, and provides a way for us to give glory to God. But then Paul goes on and explains, well, okay, you're turning to Jesus, but theologically you're actually turning to the Holy Spirit and you're partnering with the Holy Spirit. Let's just read on a little bit. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul says that the Holy Spirit is the one who actively affects our heart, who removes this this, um, metaphorical veil that is blocking us from seeing God's glory, that is blocking us from engaging with God and giving God glory. And that's when we are shaped and driven by the gospel to give God glory, how do we do that? What What does that look like? We partner with the Spirit in that. We partner with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Specifically, He is part of God who directly affects our heart. There are so many times in the Bible when it talks about the Holy Spirit um, touching our heart, changing our heart. This specific passage talks about how a veil is removed from our heart. In Romans, it says that the Holy Spirit pours God's love into our heart. So when we're shaped and driven by the gospel, it's the Holy Spirit who is the touch point on our heart, on our lives. So if we want to be shaped and driven by the gospel, if we want to give glory to God at all times, at all costs, and among all peoples, we need to partner with the Holy Spirit, individually and together as a group. So what does that look like? How do we do that? There's three things we're going to talk about this morning of how we partner with the Holy Spirit. We walk with the Spirit, we think with the Spirit, and we pray with the Spirit. So we're going to look at several different passages. There's There's three things. So we walk with the Spirit, we think with the Spirit, and we pray with God's Spirit. And those are three ways we partner with the Holy Spirit in order to be shaped and driven by the gospel, in order to give God glory, in order to um, partner with what he's doing in this world and how he's working. So there's a few places we're going to look um, this morning. We just looked at 2 Corinthians, and there's another place that I want to look at, and it's, it's Galatians. It's Galatians. So if you just actually flip a few pages um, forward to Galatians chapter 5. 
there's a great passage here specifically talking about how we partner with God's Spirit, but how we walk with God's Spirit. How, if we're partnering with God's Spirit, we need to walk with God's Spirit. What does walking with God's Spirit look like? Walking with God's Spirit is um, an analogy, is a, is a metaphor that is used very, very often in the Bible. There are so many times when we are told to um, walk in a way that is worthy of our calling, to walk with the Spirit. As a matter of fact, it's not just a New Testament uh, analogy. It's, it's all over the Old Testament as well. There's a, there's a, a, a walking path analogy that is, that is very, very prevalent, and it really lays out two different paths. And there's specifically, there's a path that we can walk that is, that is driven by the flesh, that leads to death, that is um, fraught with sin and pain and hurt. And there's another path that we can walk that is driven by the Spirit that leads to life and righteousness. And in the Old Testament, oftentimes there are these two paths laid out, and it says, choose. Choose one of these two paths. You should know that this path leads to death, leads to, uh, is, is fraught with sin, and leads to death. And this path over here is life and goodness and righteousness. And ultimately, it leads to life rather than death. And, and those, that kind of two-path analogy is, is, is picked up in the New Testament and used over and over again. And we're told, don't, don't walk this other path. Walk this path. Walk with the Spirit. This path is driven by the flesh. This path is driven by the Spirit. Don't work with the flesh to walk towards this path. It leads to death. You're going to die. Walk with the Spirit down this path, which enables you to be righteous, which leads to life. And that's exactly what our Galatians 5 passage is going to talk about. Galatians 5, 16 to 17. Paul, again, is writing a letter to a different church in a different location. It's like if he were to write a letter to Uptown or to La Habra. This time it's, it's in Galatia. And he says in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, and they're opposed to each other. Very clear that, the, that, that these two paths, that you can walk with the flesh or you can walk with the Spirit, and they're opposed to each other. They, they're not going in the same direction. One goes to death and one goes to life. And, and, and what are we told to do? What are we encouraged to do? Walk with the Spirit. Partner with the Spirit. What, what does it mean that the Spirit and the flesh are opposed to each other? We are all in the flesh. We're all people. We have bodies. But specifically, in the New Testament, flesh is represented in this path, but also a, a way of thinking, a way of, of working that is out of um, ourselves, that is out of the world, that is out of not the spirit, right? This path is the spirit, and this path is driven by the flesh. And Paul later on, just a few verses down in Galatians, says, with Christ, the flesh is crucified, so we're no longer in the flesh, and we should walk with the spirit. But it's also very clear that we still 
uh, experience the flesh in some ways, right? We're still in, in a body, right? We still experience the world that is shaped and driven by sin. We still experience death in a lot of different ways. And it's hard because there's a lot of different analogies and nothing quite fits the bill, but I think a good analogy is, is gravity. In that gravity is, is um, we're all experiencing gravity right now, right? I don't see anybody floating. And it's very prevalent in our lives, and this world functions in a way that is um, driven by the laws of physics, by the laws of gravity. We can escape gravity, though, right? We've sent things out of the orbit of this earth. It's possible to escape gravity. It's just really, really difficult, and no person can do it by themselves. What do we need to escape gravity? We need a rocket ship. We need a lot of really explosive fuel, and then we sit on top of it and light it on fire. (laughs) And we call it going to space, to a place where there is no gravity. And just like we're not um, in and of ourselves, we are not gravity, but we are experiencing the effects of gravity. Our flesh has been crucified, but we are still experiencing the effects of the flesh. And so Paul is encouraging us to say, if you're going to walk with the Spirit, you need to know that it's opposed to the flesh, that it's two different paths going in two different directions. There's another place where Paul um, really outlines this, and I love it because it, it, it picks up on kind of the law analogy, and that's in Romans 8. So if you flip back um, a handful of pages, um, Romans chapter 8, again, we've got it up here, so if, if, if it's too much turning for you or you get lost, you can just follow along up here. Romans 8, starting in verse 2. I love this here. Look at this. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's exactly what we were talking about. There's two different laws. There's two different ways of functioning, right? And we have over here the flesh that, that is a path filled with sin that leads to death. And it, it has a certain law. It has a certain way that it functions. Just like physics and gravity has laws that it is obeying. And, and Paul is saying there's a different law over here with the Spirit. There's a different way of functioning. There's a different power by which you are operating out of. And it's almost like we've been transferred um, into a different universe that has a different law of physics. This law of physics, gravity that we feel, is in this universe, and it, it, it is fraught with sin and leads to death. And when we are following Jesus, the Holy Spirit affects our heart and changes us and kind of transforms us and takes us to a different universe, really. A universe that isn't controlled by the same law of physics. It's the law of the Spirit that leads to life, that, that is that is just riddled with righteousness. And it takes a, a, an amazing power to escape that pull of gravity, right? It takes rocket ship power to get out of our gravity. It takes spirit power to get from this road of flesh to this road of spirit. And that's what happens when we follow Jesus, when we have faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit kind of picks us up from this path and drops us over onto this path here. And we walk with the Spirit. Just continuing on uh, these few verses here. 
For God has done uh, what the what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Again, those two different laws. Walk with the spirit. Partner with the spirit. Be shaped and driven by the gospel and give God glory. Well, that sounds like it's a lot of stuff that we do. It sounds like um, we need to walk with the Spirit. We need to do things, right? Okay, I got to work harder. I got to do better. Well, yes and no. There is a path. There is a partnership that we have. But notice we say partner with the Spirit. It's not just um, work as God's Spirit tells you to work. No, it's a partnership. It's a togetherness. We can't do it alone. I cannot escape gravity as hard as I try. And I tried a lot as a kid. And I broke a lot of bones. I tried and I couldn't. We need to partner with God's Spirit to escape the flesh, to escape the power and the pull of the flesh. And I think um, there's a verse that a lot of us may know if you've been around the church. And we, me- we memorize part of it, but we don't memorize the, the last part of it. And I think that perfectly illustrates what I'm talking about in partnership. And that we work to walk with the Spirit, but it is not a work out of our power. It is a work out of the power of the Holy Spirit, right? The rocket ship power of the Holy Spirit. And that's Ephesians. So you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to turn there real quick to read it. It's Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. A lot of us know that, right? And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's not our own doing. We're not saved by ourselves. We don't work hard enough with the Spirit, and that gets us um, salvation. That earns us um, the right to have ourselves fixed and give glory to God. No, God does all the work. The Spirit does all the work, but we partner with Him in it. Look at verse 10. What does verse 10 say? For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right? It's completely um, grace that we are saved. We have faith and in that grace and we are saved. It's not out of our own doing, but God creates good works for us to walk in them. He creates this path. And the Spirit is walking the path. And he says, walk the path with my Spirit in the good works that I'm telling you to walk in. Partner with the Holy Spirit. One of the other ways that we partner with the Holy Spirit, we walk with the Holy Spirit, but we also think with God's Spirit. We think with God's Spirit. What does that mean? Um, We flipped over to Ephesians, but we're, we're going back to Romans 8 now. I know it's a lot of back and forth. That's why I put it up on the slides here. Just a few verses later in in Romans 8, Paul really challenges us to think with God's Spirit. If we're going to partner with God's Spirit, we need to think with God's Spirit. So let's pick up where we left off, verse um, 5. So we we read through verse 4, reading in verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, 
But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And just so we know, the mind that is set on flesh is death. But the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. What, what is this mind that is set on, either flesh or the Spirit? I, I think a better kind of um, phrasing that we would understand is mindset. Instead of having your mind set on, just mindset. What is your mindset? What, what is your way of thinking? Do you have a, the mindset of the Spirit or the mindset of the flesh? What, what, are you, what do you think about most days? What do you think about most times during the day when maybe you're just doing something monotonous or mundane? Or maybe when you're not, maybe when you're dealing with something very heavy, very intensive. What is your mindset? Is your mindset on the Spirit? Paul says if we're going to partner with the Spirit, we need to have our mind set on the Spirit. We need to be thinking about the Spirit. The New Testament talks about this a lot. Take every thought captive for Christ. Set your mind on things above. Think about things that involve God's glory, that involve being shaped and driven by the gospel, that involve walking with the Spirit, that involve thinking with God's Spirit. Have your mind set on the Spirit. It's, it's something that I think we just don't think about. And we have to think about it. Because right now, we're not thinking about gravity, but we're all experiencing the pull of gravity. And if you're not thinking about setting your mind on the Spirit, you're just falling back to earth. You're just feeling that gravity pull you back in. It's like when the space shuttle goes up and lets go of those fuel tanks. The whole space shuttle isn't out of orbit yet, and they just you know, discharge those fuel tanks, or they discharge, you know, earlier times it was just whole pieces of the rocket would fall off. And what happens? It just falls back to earth. Because it's not being propelled by rocket power, and gravity is pulling it back down, and it just crashes into the ocean. There's a war going on for your mind. And if you are not thinking with the Spirit, you are losing the war. And gravity is just pulling you back down. The flesh it's just pulling you back down into the mindset of the flesh. So if we want to partner with God's Spirit, we have to think with God's Spirit. We have to have the mindset of God's Spirit. We have to set our mind on the Spirit. What does that mean? And there are a lot of different ways and a lot of different things that we can do to have a mindset of the Spirit. Some people listen to music. And that doesn't have to be Christian music. Just music that helps you think about God. I mean, I know people that are excellent musicians and hear things in music that I never, ever hear. And they listen to music and it just, it helps them glorify God. It helps them think about God's spirit. It helps them have the mindset of the spirit and not the mindset of the flesh. What are you reading? For some people, it's reading things that help us have our mindset on the spirit. A lot of it is reading this. Some of it is reading other things. New, fresh ways of setting our mind on the Spirit. There are a myriad of different ways that we can have our mind set on the Spirit, that we can think with the Spirit, and we need to actively engage in those. Because if we don't actively engage in those, we're losing the war. 
or just falling back to earth. One of the ways that we can do that is praying with the Spirit. Praying is a, is a great way to get your mind set on the Spirit. And that's kind of our third point with partnering with the Holy Spirit this morning. When we partner with God's Spirit, one of the third ways we can do that is praying with the Spirit. And Paul picks this up just later on in Romans 8. We're skipping down to verse 26. He talks about how do we partner with God's Spirit in prayer. Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Generally, we are weak. We are affected by the flesh. We're still in our mortal bodies. We're still experiencing that pull of gravity. And the Spirit helps us in that weakness. But specifically, the Spirit helps us in prayer. For we do not know what we ought to pray, or for we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. It's not that uh, we don't know how to pray, it's that we don't know what to pray about. You ever have this experience? There may be something that you want to pray for, but you don't know how to pray about it. And Paul says that. The Spirit intercedes with us to help us pray like we should pray. How does that happen? Verse 27, He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit searches our hearts and knows how much your mind is set on the Spirit and how much your mind is set on the flesh. And what happens? The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. So here we have this like, um, issue that we want to pray about, but we don't know how to pray about it. And here we have God's will of how we should pray about it. And the Spirit is in between here and knows how much our mind is set on the Spirit and how much it is set on the flesh. And says, okay, if you're going to have a prayer request, I know what you're going to pray and I know how to intercede towards the will of God. What does that actually look like? Say that I want a prayer, I'm, I'm going to pray right now that God would give me a multi-million dollar mansion so that people would know how important I am. Okay? Uh, You've got to say multi-million because million isn't going to get you a lot, right? In Southern California. So I want a multi-million dollar mansion so that people will know how important I am. It, is my mind set on the spirit or is my mind set on the flesh? It seems like my mind is set on the flesh because having a multi-million dollar mansion to know how important I am focuses on me and gives me glory, not God. But if I say, I want a multi-million dollar mansion because uh, I have all these foster kids in my home and I need a bigger place and I want to take more foster kids in because I think that's God's heart. Or I need a multi-million dollar mansion because I want to, I don't know, whatever. Pretend that you're using a multi-million dollar mansion correctly and for God's glory. There are a lot of hard and difficult ways to do that, right? Oh, we're so tied up in the flesh and stuff and that way of thinking. But if you have a prayer request and it's of the mind of the Spirit, it, your mind is set on the Spirit and you're praying for something, the, the Spirit is going to help you intercede towards the will of God. A lot of times we don't know how to pray. Like, think about when, when someone's sick, when somebody has cancer. How do you pray for that? God, completely heal them, 100%. I pray that, and I have prayed that. But is that God's will? I don't know. 
I don't know if that's God's will. Maybe I need to pray that the doctors will do their best job ever to rid this person of cancer. Or maybe I need to pray that this person will suffer well because I know they're going to die. I don't know what God's will is, but if my mind is set on the Spirit, the Spirit helps me pray according to God's will. And there's an interaction there between our heart and the Spirit. And the Spirit can help us set our mind on the Spirit as we're praying. So I think it's very important that we're aware of this um, cycle. We need to be aware of it. I mean, have you ever asked the Spirit to help you pray while you're praying? Have you ever asked the Spirit, what should I pray for? God, I want to pray for this person, but I don't know how to pray for them. That's at least the first step. Acknowledging that your heart, your mind may not be set fully on the Spirit. And you want to pray according to God's will, but you don't know how to, and you need the Spirit's help. You need to partner with the Spirit to pray. That's one of the great ways that we partner with the Spirit is through prayer, because it helps have our minds set on the Spirit. And as we've seen, if we're thinking about things of the Spirit, if our mind is set on the Spirit, we can partner with Him. We can walk with the Spirit down this path of life and righteousness and peace and holiness that leads to rejuvenation rather than just death and decay. So as we talk about partnering with the Spirit and we think about how we walk with the Spirit and how we think with the Spirit and how we pray with God's Spirit, I think there are some very important questions that we need to ask us. Um, are, you, are you legitimately interacting with the Spirit when you pray? Are you asking the Spirit? Are you partnering with the Spirit when you pray? If, if you're not, you should. And, and it's very simple. God, I don't know how to pray. Help me pray. Just like that. And if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit is already in your heart pouring out God's love, God's familyness, and that Spirit is, is helping you have the mindset to pray as you ought. Two, what are you thinking about? What is your mindset? If you're not actively engaged in a war against your mindset, against the flesh, against gravity, you're just falling back. You need to be aware that that. There is a pull from the flesh and that it is against the Spirit. And we need to partner with the Spirit in in setting our mind on things above and taking every thought captive for Christ. And finally, are are you operating out of the power of the Spirit? You know, this, this path is out of the power of the flesh, doing things out of ourselves, trying to escape Earth's gravitational pull without any help, out of ourselves. It can't be done. It leads to death. It leads, it is fraught with sin. But are we operating with the power of the Spirit? Are we partnering with the Spirit? Are we using that Holy Spirit rocket ship power to escape the pull of the flesh? To, to, to walk with the Spirit in the good works that God has prepared for us that, that lead to joy and righteousness and peace I think very important questions that we have to ask ourselves this morning. There'll be a a lot more questions as we 
talk more about what are our core values. And it's all connected. It's, it's, these core values help define us and help us realize what does it mean to be shaped and driven by the gospel? Because I want to give glory to God. My heart has been changed. And I don't just want to eat a steak and say this steak is good. I want to say this steak is good because God made it. And God made cows taste good. And God made people who cook awesome steaks. Praise be to Jesus. I didn't hear enough amens. Do you? I mean, come on. <laughs> Let me pray for us this morning. I'm going to invite the worship band up. We're also going to take our offerings. I'm going to take, um, invite the uh, ushers forward. Joe pointed it out in your um, bulletin that you should have gotten as you walked in. There, there's a connections card in there. It's got a space for prayer requests. It's got a space for sharing God's story. If you've got anything going on in your life that you would love to share with us, we would love to partner with you and the Spirit in that. We would love to pray with you. We would love to, to give God glory with you because he's working in your life. So if you would fill that out and put it in the basket as it goes by, we, we want to hear from you. We want to praise God with you. We want to partner with God's Spirit and what he's doing in your life together as a, as a family, really. So let me pray for us this morning. God, we thank you for who you are. We praise you for um, this morning. We praise you, uh, Holy Spirit, that you, you partner with us. You are um, obedient to do the will of the Father, and you are sent from him. And um, remind us of Jesus. You remind us of Jesus' teachings. You remind us of good works that uh, our Father has prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. And we need help. We need a lot of help, but, but you know that, God. That's why you sent the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is so close to our hearts, because we can't do it. But you can, God, and we want to do it with you. But we need your help, and we ask that you would do that. Continually remind us this week of how to partner with the Spirit. In, in big things, and in small things, um, we ask for good works, that you would just show us things that, that we would do that you want us to do, that we would be obedient to do those, that we would do those out of the power of the Spirit. Not because these good works save us, but because they give you glory, God, and that's what we're designed to do, and that's what we want to do. We thank you um, for what you've given us, and we um, give some back to you to say that you've given it to us. It's not ours, it's all yours. Um, I thank you for the heart of the givers here in their obedience. I ask that you would bless them in their obedience and um, use all of these things for your glory, God. Amen.